0: This is C-SPAN's First Ladies in Their Own Words podcast, listening to the voices of eight modern First Ladies. We begin with Lady Bird Johnson, the 36th First Lady of the United States. Born Claudia Taylor in 1912, Lady Bird grew up in Texas and married Lyndon Johnson, a young congressional aide with big ambitions in 1934.
1: We drove out to Arlington.
0: There were long, long
1: lines of solemn, respectful people all along the hill in Robert E. Lee's home as we wound up to the gravesite. The gravesite was covered with flowers. We got out and put our flowers down. We stood a moment in silence and then we turned around and left. Each sang our own word to the beautiful vista of Washington as it lay spread out below us and our hearts. You look around you, in this jungle I now find myself in, and you want somebody tied to, and you look for who is strong and intelligent, and instinct, not prior knowledge or sentiment, makes me think that Mr. McBundy is one of those. We talked about how to bridge the gap between the Kennedy administration and the Johnson administration, And as Lyndon would say, he had to breed the best of the two to each other. And I tried very earnestly to express my thanks to him.
0: That was Lady Bird Johnson from her December 1, 1963 diary recording after visiting President John F. Kennedy's grave. Just days after his assassination, Lady Bird was confronting a new life as First Lady of the United States. She lived in the White House from 1963 to 1969, some of this country's most tumultuous years through the Civil Rights Movement, Vietnam, and political assassinations. You'll hear her in her own voice how she experienced that time, featuring footage from C-SPAN's video library.
2: Wednesday, January the 8th, State of the Union. Was one of those days that you have the feeling that everything that's gone before, the last two weeks at any rate, was leading up to, working up to. So must Sir Hillary have felt when he at last reached the top of Mount Everest, because it seemed like to me we had uh, had a long, long rope stretched up a high, high mountain, and day by day we'd been pulling and hauling, and this finally was the day that we either Came, we came to the top and fell on our face or stood up and planted the flag. I arrived a little bit early and took my seat in the front row, flanked on the right by Lucy Baines. And then how glad I was to have Roberta Vinson next. And then Uncle Huffman Baines and his wife, Aunt Lee and Aunt Josepha. That was a sort of, well, I know that Mrs. Johnson would have liked that. Then on the other side, I had Susan and Helen, and nobody watched it with more interest than Helen. Behind us were the wives of the cabinet members and the wives of the Supreme Court. And also, as our guests, were Hobart Taylor and Jay Taylor. And I noticed, tucked away on the fathery step in the last little square inch, was Wendy Marcus, young and eager and ready to go grabbed life by the forelock. I'm glad she made it inside the door. The familiar room below began to fill up with a pomp and display that always takes place on these occasions. How many times I've seen it. The house was in its seat. Then with a loud announcement from Fishbait Miller, in came the Senate. Then came the I think next comes the pneumatic corps getting bigger all the time, and how they're going to finally find room for them, I don't know. And then the cabinet and the court occupying the front rows. And in his most pontifical voice, Fishbait Miller, and how could there ever be a replacement for Fishbait, rose and said, Be President of the United States. And in Lyndon flanked by old friends of long standing and went up to the podium right in front of Speaker McCormick and Senator Carl Hayden with the flag behind him. Speaker McCormick gray and craggy and white haired. Senator Hayden here ever since Arizona entered the Union. A charming lively face for 85. Rather humorous. But I wonder how many people in the chamber were struck with the thought that there is a dramatic something there that says, take care. My favorite line was actually about the first. I will be brief, for our time is necessarily short and our agenda is already long. And then there was a line about it can be done by this sem- this summer. I want it done uh, in order to so that the House and the Senate will look better to the nation as much as I want it to be done uh, for linden 's good and the democratic party 's good. By all odds, the most important thing to me in the speech was where he said this administration here and now declares unconditional war on poverty in America. I asked this Congress and all Americans to join with me in that effort but with a pretty heavy accent on education, on retraining, on health. I like that line, about $1,000 invested in salvaging an unemployable youth today can return 40000 or more in his lifetime.
0: Throughout his political career, Lady Bird was one of President Johnson's most trusted advisors, which you'll hear in this telephone call with President Johnson on March 7, 1964. Lady Bird gives the president her candid critique of his speech and press conference about Vietnam and the pending civil rights bill. President Johnson taped all of his Oval Office telephone conversations.
2: You want to listen for about one minute to uh,
3: yes, uh, my critique, or would you rather wait till yes, tonight? Yes, ma'am. I'm now.
2: I thought that you looked strong, firm, and like a reliable guy. Your looks uh, were splendid. The close-ups were much better than the distance ones.
3: Well, you can't get them to do it.
2: Well, well I would say this. There were more close-ups than there were distance ones. Uh, during the statement, you were a little breathless, and there was too much looking down, and I think it was a little too fast. Not enough change of pace. Uh, dropping voice at the end of sentence. Um, There was a considerable pickup in drama and interest when the questioning began. Uh, Your voice was noticeably better and your facial expression was noticeably better. Um, The mechanics of the room were not too good, because although I heard you well throughout every bit of it, I did not hear your questioners clearly uh well the questioners won't talk uh, some of them you could hear and 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 and, but in generally you could not hear them very well um every now and then you need a good crisp answer for change of pace and therefore i was very glad when you answered one man uh the answer to uh, is no to both of your questions um you i thought your answer on large was good I thought your uh, answer on Vietnam was good. I really didn't like the answer on the Gaul because I think I've heard you say, and I but I believe you actually have said out loud that you don't believe you ought to go out of the country this year. So I well, don't think you can very well say that you'll meet him any time that's convenient to both people.
3: Well, when we can, when it can be arranged, I'm not going out of this country. I didn't say where I'd go. I didn't say I'd go out of the country at all. Did. No, I guess... As I reaffirmed that I wouldn't go. I see. Uh-huh. Well, I,
2: then I just didn't hear it, didn't, didn't, didn't get the meaning of it that everybody else did. Uh, I think the outstanding things were that the close-ups were excellent. Uh, you uh, need to learn, when you're going to have a prepared text, you need to uh, 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 have the opportunity to study it a little bit more and to read it with a little more uh, conviction and interest.
3: change of pace. uh, Well the trouble is that they criticize you for taking so much time they want to use it all for questions then their questions don't produce any news if you don't give news we catch hell so my problem was trying to get through before 10 minutes and I still ran 10 minutes a day Mm -hmm. and I took a third of it for the questions and I could have taken if I'd read it like I wanted to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what to cut out maybe I ought to cut out Mary's heart name but uh, I thought that every place one of those names dropped, they'd call up the fellow and ask him about it, and he'd get his name in the paper and then publicize it good, and it help the committee.
2: hmm I believe if I'd had that choice, I would have said, uh, uh, use uh, 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 13 minutes or 14 uh, for the statement. Um, in general, I'd say uh, it was uh, a good B+. How do you feel about it? I
3: thought it was much better than last week.
2: Well, uh, I I heard last week, see, and and didn't see it, and and didn't hear all of it. Uh, At any rate, I felt uh, sort of on safe ground. I mean, like you had sort of uh, gotten over a a hump psychologically and in other ways. Uh, It'll be interesting to hear everybody else's reaction. And uh, we've gotten, uh, well, the Thornberrys anyhow are waiting a reasonably uh, early dinner with us. and I I got my 10 o'clock date and you do anything you want to about getting another couple or two to eat with us and let me know and uh, I love you very
3: much.
0: Okay, bye. Bye. In the fall of 1964, when President Johnson was running for re-election, one important way Lady Bird contributed to her husband's effort was by campaigning in places he couldn't, including a four-day, 1,600-mile trip aboard a train nicknamed the Lady Bird Special.
2: The sound and the whole nation at this election are at a crossroads between past and future. We face many problems together. Peace is one and economic prosperity is another. We have reached good and workable solutions in the past through this partnership. And it takes men in Washington who care about the people of the South, and it takes citizens here at home with a vision of the future. Today, many parts of the South present one of the nation's proudest pictures of progress. A democratic victory means we will face new challenges together with imagination and zeal. We draw on the past for strength, but we do not plan to turn back
0: She traveled through eight southern states that were experiencing racial turmoil and deemed politically unsafe for President Johnson. In an Election Eve program on November 2, 1964, Lady Bird spoke to the nation about what she learned through campaigning for her husband.
3: I have campaigned across this country, in 44 states, discussing the issues, learning from your views. Lady Bird has been my closest and most valuable campaigner. And I want her to tell you something of her impression of the last few weeks.
2: These have been strenuous but inspiring days for me and for our daughters. Together, we have been in 49 states. It was like a capsule of Americana, a telescoped course in the geography and the history and the people who make up this land. You're bound to come back with a closer kinship and a better understanding of the people you work for. I loved campaigning beside my husband and providing the companionship and reassurance and continuity. And like every wife, to offer cheer or suggestions as the moment requires. And occasionally I was flattered to be asked to take on assignment on my own. One colorful and picturesque time that especially stands out in my memory, the four-day whistle stop train trip with 47 stops through eight states in the south, from Virginia to Louisiana. I remember so well the intent, leather-faced farmers, the little boys hanging off the boxcars, the woman who told me she had gotten up early and milked 20 cows before coming to the depot. I can never forget them. That was the kind of country where I grew up. But the important thing about it was it showed the intense interest of the people in their government. There are many things the traveler, even the hurried campaign traveler, learns. You see what a diverse and strong and wonderful country this is. And I know I am better for knowing it better. Then you learn that for the most part, These are good times in America, and we want to keep them that way. And you learn that first in the hearts of most of the citizens of this country is a desire to keep America strong and to keep the world at peace. That is what all Americans will really be voting on tomorrow, whether they live in the South or the North or the East or the West.
0: You're listening to First Ladies In Their Own Words, and we'll be right back. Lady Bird's signature issue was the environment. Next, a segment from a 1968 film focused on what was known as her beautification program.
2: A beautification to my mind is far more than a matter of cosmetics. To me, it describes the whole effort to bring the natural world and the man-made world into harmony, to bring order, usefulness, delight to our whole environment dredged out of the historic potomac some 50 years ago columbia island is a gift of nature and man i'm so pleased that this piece of land challenged this committee and we have concentrated much of our efforts and gifts in preparing it as a magnificent gateway to the capital Having been there when the daffodils were planted, having seen them in their drifts of yellow along the slopes of the river, having watched almost every one of those trees go into the ground, and envisioned how that expanse of white and pink dogwoods is going to look next spring, you can be sure that I shall return
0: You're watching American History TV, where you're listening to Lady Bird Johnson in her own words. In March of 1968, as the Vietnam War raged on, LBJ announced that he would not seek re-election. That year, Lady Bird opened up the White House, as had her predecessor, Jacqueline Kennedy, to the American public via television cameras. This was recorded by the White House Naval Photographic Center.
2: Many years ago, when I was the wife of a brand new Texas congressman, I snapped photographs outside these iron gates. I never imagined that one day I would live on the other side of that fence. Like many tourists, I had the distinct feeling that this house belonged in part to me. I think that's a feeling that everyone who visits here shares. Just like the thousands who come here each year, I was impressed by the majesty of the great state rooms on the first floor and was proud of the stream of history that ran through each of them. What the passerby doesn't always realize is that there are two sides to the White House. The official side that remains in the public eye and the private side that the public rarely sees. The living quarters for the president and his family This is our living room, actually, it's the west end of the long hall. It's the nerve center and crossroads of all family activities. An intimate place and yet busy, and it belongs to all the family. Psychologically, when you cross that threshold, you feel that you're at home, that you're inside your own house. You can put on a robe and slippers and curl up with a good book. We gather here on all the climactic occasions such as the immediate moments following the State of the Union message or another major address to the nation. We usually invite those who worked on the speech or who had contributed to the event. On those nights, this room has been filled. It has the same electric quality of a Broadway opening. After the performance, you're anxious to hear the reviews although we've had some thrilling successes and high moments of pride there were some chilly moments too but happy or painful this is where the initial public reaction is seen by the president and this is where his family shares this experience this room is also a listening post for the tone of the day when we have no engagements in the evening I come in here with some of my work that isn't so demanding and wait for Lyndon to come home from his work. You can see his office from here. The lights may be on until 8 o'clock, or maybe 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. Sometimes he doesn't come home to dinner until after midnight. It's not very far for a man to commute, but in terms of his responsibilities, there is a great distance from here there. I recall being up here as Linda brought in her latest acquisition for her old book collection and Lucy emerged from the kitchen with a pan of brownies she'd made and at the same time knowing that Lyndon was down there only a few yards away. But the tensest nights of all are the lights on in the cabinet room and the television vans on Executive Avenue. Perhaps it was the crisis of the Gulf of Tonkin of the Middle East in June, 67. But sooner or later, the lights will go out, and then in a few moments, I will hear an eager voice down the hall call out, Where's Bird? And then I know he's home. Really home. Like the living room in any American home, this room has its personal touches bookshelves that reflect the individual interests of the family, old and treasured friends. One of the things that I am proud to leave as a reminder of our time here is the addition to the White House permanent collection of paintings. Thomas Sully's portrait of Fanny Kimball is sheer romance, and I love it. This is our most recent acquisition for the permanent collection, Robert Henry's Gypsy Girl. The first painting acquired during our stay at the White House was Winslow Homer's Surf at Prout's Neck. I saved my favorite, the Mary Cassatt, for last. You can almost feel the love between the mother and those children. Look at that little girl. Is she wondering what the small child is going to mean to her life? It's such a dear painting. It seems to set the tone of the room. It's where the family shared so many personal and intimate moments. Where we felt we were in the heart of the house, really at home.
0: President Lyndon Baines Johnson died in 1973. Lady Bird lived on until 2007, dying at the age of 94. You'll hear now from the last part of her life as she reflected on her continuing work and on LBJ's legacy.
3: What do you think, not what do you hope, but what do you think will be in long-term history Lyndon Johnson's legacy? What will people remember 50 years from now?
4: I don't know. He would have liked it to be the education president. That is what he placed all his hopes on. He said it's the only passport out of poverty. And it's the one thing that uh, can't be taken away from you, is education. Uh, I think it'll probably be civil rights, and I think it is so peculiarly right and appropriate that it should have been a southern president who managed to do that in spite of some very painful um, loss of good friends from the South, and I don't think, I don't think they intended for it to go on forever. I think, well, I'm just a professional southerner, <laughs> as well as a professional. Texan.
3: How much influence did you have on him when it came to civil rights?
4: Oh, I just think he he hewed his own path, made his own decisions. But uh, he, I think we all knew it was going to happen someday, and yes, it would be. uh, it would be shake, shake us up like being in a um, uh, mixed master sort of uh, but i think it, it it um i think it will be it will o- over over top education
3: Where, where's vietnam going to fit in
4: as a wretched obstacle along the way which he couldn't solve, couldn't escape, couldn't shake off.
3: When did you see him at his lowest?
4: And uh, during those days, I think when um, uh, the bags began to come home. By that, I mean, body bags they would come in at night on freight trains and I don't know whether this was good planning I just happenstance but several times I would be on my way back from a trip to New York from somewhere and at the station as I would get off there would be freight trains and those bags would be un- well, being unloaded and- Put on to um, I, I, I don't know what kind of vehicle—and that I, I knew what he was doing, and I knew I couldn't help him.
3: Did you try to help in any way? Yes, yes, of course. What would you do?
4: I just say um, you're doing the best. You can, and I think a lot of those people understand it. And um, there really isn't, there isn't much you can do in a situation like that, except to say, I'm here.
0: Thank you for joining us on American History TV for this special look at Lady Bird Johnson in her own words. Next week, you'll hear from Betty Ford, who was seen as a thoroughly modern and candid First Lady. American History TV's First Lady series is also available as a podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts.